Welcome back to Tradman. It's Tradman, baby. Oh, yeah. What's up, Jace? <laughs> <laughs> what? That was good, man. You know, no, it. It was good. It was, it was so good that it kept, kept me speechless. Is that not inspiring when you hear like an overweight 44-year-old Irish-American on the internet just going, oh, yeah. Actually, it was very inspiring, but you want me to tell you what inspired me too? What's that? Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Getting to be about that time, man. We were recording this. No, nah, it's not that late. It's only 8.30. No, it's not that late. I just, this week has been a long week with long oh, man, hours. It sure has. It sure has. So, well, uh, before we get going and discussing how week two went, um, as we are rolling into week three here of Advent, we will, of course, invoke the divine blessing. Jason's going to lead us in our Advent prayer. I invite you all to join along with us as uh, we invoke the divine blessing. And ask that the Holy Ghost, God the Father, God the Son, give us a enlightening and edifying discussion. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Dear Jesus, help us focus on you during this busy season. May we stay aware of the joy you bring into our lives. We want to find you in the everyday moments and come with hearts of gratitude to your manger on Christmas. Amen. Amen. The Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I finally got into my groove, man. I'm I, and now yeah. I'm finally having a good Advent. It took me a week, and in week two, I, uh, uh, you know, I've got my confession in, and really, really started to diligently observe my Advent observances. And so now, now, now I'm clicking on all cylinders. Now I'm just praying that the wheels don't come off the cart. Well, that was going to be my first question is, did you, did you find your groove? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what helped. My Roman breviary came in and for those of you who haven't checked it out, I did the unboxing on the show. So that's a good video. Check this it, out. It, you did a very good job of it. I, well, I enjoyed I, watching it. Thank you. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm learning more and more as I dig through this thing. And one of the things that I didn't even know, I didn't even pay attention when we did our unboxing is. You know, when you when you start off like at the here in the breviary itself is a neat little lesson about louds. And as you read through the Psalms, it tells you what this portion of the Psalm is about. And, you know, what are some of the things that today's prayers are calling to mind? There's like little meditations yeah. written in here, too, which are really, really cool. Um, it's that's something that I'm, I'm used to in any of my liturgical books. So it's pretty pretty nice and that's come in so I've, I've gotten into that and i'm now saying the roman breviary for for three uh, hours of the day and that is um it's born a awesome. lot of fruit yeah well yeah so one of the lessons i guess that you've learned is you didn't know as much about about the roman breviary as you did right <laughs> right right still don't yeah. still yeah. learning so that's awesome though no it was a good episode i i enjoyed watching it um maybe i'll I'll uh, splurge one day and grab one, but yeah, I've just yeah. been sticking to the divine or to the little office of the blessed Virgin Mary. They don't but, want yeah. much for this thing. Do they like $400? Like yikes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take out that second mortgage by one of these things. Like I said, I've wanted one for years and I, I it, even still, it took me some gumption to push that 
complete purchase button and just yeah. do it finally. But whatever, you know, it's now it's done. And, and now my wife can't get mad at me anymore. Cause well, it's, just, just think about it like this. If you take care of it and you have it say for the next 30 years, mm -hmm. the price is actually comes down per year. So you can tell does. your wife, look, I, I actually got a, 30 years later. This has been a steal. <laughs> get the, get the, get the graphs out and get yeah. the charts going. <laughs> <laughs> red, the red tape and lines going everywhere. If you look at your break-even analysis, your cost point here, after which enterprise falls into loss. Um, <laughs> how you doing, man? You, oh. you 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 bit off the lion's share of our uh, of our Advent observances. How's it going? Well, I mean, it went good this week. Uh, again, I, I had a one area that I struggled in, and it was just latter part of the week. Once again, I just it literally slipped my mind, but. I still got the little office in three times a day, plus my St. Andrews Novena, 15, 15 of, uh, of those a day. Um, I did hit adoration three times this week. And uh, as a kind of a side note, I have, you know, two of my sons, uh, we, we stopped on the way home one day. My sons are, well, these two sons are eight and six. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, my older son may have, but I can't remember if my, my younger son has ever been to adoration. I don't think they have. So I said, I'm going to bring them in there. I know it's supposed to be quiet and reverent and all that. And people sometimes don't really bring kids because of the noise. I said, you know what? You're overthinking this too much. They're, they're old enough to, you know, not, not just to talk. Now they're going to move around because they've got that energy. They're rambunctious. And, and they did move around and you heard the seat making noise and stuff like that. To me, I'm like, not a big deal. That ain't a and, big deal. And I think a lot of people actually, um, they like seeing, like, at this day that I actually went, all the chairs were full except two of them when I went oh, into the awesome. Adoration Chapel because the church down the street has 24-7 Adoration. So you can go seven days a week, no problem. So I set my older son down. I went up and I shared a seat with my younger son until the lady behind me was finished. But um, – yeah, they <laughs> I actually found joy in watching them because they would get down on their knees, they would pray, and then they'd get back up and they'd sit there for a few minutes. And then whatever reason they got back down and said a prayer and then they got back up. They did that several times, right? So I actually found joy and um encouragement with that. I didn't know this, but my wife told me a couple of days ago that they've been asking to go back. They want to go back. Really? That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. They're like, I want to go back. And, uh, it was definitely to, to anybody that has little boys or has been around little boys, you know, at ages eight and six quietness is not something that they're typically strong at. <laughs> sure. Sure. Nor sitting still for a very but, period of time. I'm sure. But yeah, I, I sat there, they enjoyed it. And I, had my younger son at one point on my lap and I slow, you know, I, I just kind of whispered in his ear about the blessed sacrament, just reminding him that he is really sitting here with Jesus right now. That is body, blood, soul, and divinity. And I kind of use it as a teaching moment for him. I couldn't do it as much with my other son because he was across the aisle there. But uh, so, yeah, no, that was, that was just taking them was very edifying for me. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I have, no, I, I was just, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you? Well, I was gonna, I, 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 all right. So now it's, now it's going to get weird. Okay. Okay. The other day I was talking to my wife, we were talking about, cause we both, we both do a lot of work in CPS court and we see our share of terrible parents. 
And I tell, I mentioned my wife the other day. I said, you know who I think is a good dad? She said, who? And I said, I said, Jason, my co-host over at Tradman. I think that guy's a good dad, man. He just, I don't know, some about it, some about the way you are with your kids. I mean, you seem to be able to enforce discipline, but not your kids don't hate you. I mean, you're not a tyrant and you, 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 you are involved in the things that they're involved in. You go to the wrestling tournaments and you go to the, you know, the things that your kids are into, but you take them to church every Sunday. And, you know, and I'm sure there are times, especially, I know you've got some teenagers or, or some kids who are coming up on teenagehood if they're not teenagers already. And there's times when you have to tell them, look, I know it doesn't seem fair, but I'm going to have to say, no, you can't do this thing or that thing or whatever. And, and they probably don't think that that's fair when that happened, but they don't hate you for it. And they don't, you know, it's just one of those things. It's a, it's a tough balance to, to do. And I, for what it's worth, man, I think, I think you're doing a great job. Oh, I appreciate the, (laughs) the kind words. I, I definitely have my faults and I definitely am too tyrant like many times and i you know something that i have to look back and reflect on um now i don't think my kids hate me of course i mean just like recently a couple days ago my daughter asked if she could do something my younger one i was like no you can't of course she was mad at me for a little while oh well you get over it um but no the the thing about parenting and that's i i try the older i get and it's probably because of my parenting experience through the years I try to be less judgmental in many ways on what parents are doing with their kids mm-hmm. yeah. because I mean, there, there are obvious things where you shouldn't let your kids get away with something. Like, you know, I recently saw this boy, he got mad at a wrestling tournament, went up to his dad, grabbed his dad. I mean, they talk about like an eight year old boy, grabbed his dad, started punching his dad. Cause he was mad. And I was like, okay, now I'm judging you on that because you should yeah. never let your kid treat Hell you like that. to the no, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> absolutely not. But but that's kind of an extreme case, right? Sure, sure. But when you become parent, there's there's no like book. I know I, I know the Bible has guidance, and you sure. can read about the saints and and other traditions within the church to help guide you. But at the end of the day, literally every kid is different. Like I have six kids, all of them are completely different personalities, yeah. mm-hmm. and there's not a there's not like like your kid doesn't come with an instruction manual. And sometimes I think, well, maybe part of that reason is, is God is saying, hey, lean on me to help you. You know, it's kind of maybe uh, an area that God can draw you closer to him if you allow it. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, parenting is very hard. And I sit at night, many nights wondering, did I do the wrong thing this day? I lost my temper here. I did that. But Life is all about experiences, right? And the more experience you get, the better you typically become at something. Well, guess what? By the time you're a pretty experienced parent, your kids are already gone up, uh, grown <laughs> up and moved out. And, it's, and then it's a little too late, right? Uh, for, for them, for any changes that you may do, do differently. But of course, that's why it's important for us to listen to our elders, to our parents and grandparents when they try to give you guidance. Now, that doesn't mean their, their guidance is always going to be what you agree with or what you should do. But many times you should at least entertain the idea from a voice of experience. Yeah. It's, and there's a, and it's a balance. I mean, it's, and it's a tough balance and I'm sure you don't do it right all the time. Nobody does. I mean, our, you know, our Lord said only our heavenly father is perfect. And that's, and thank, and thank goodness we have 
our heavenly father who is perfect. But to the extent that you can't, I mean, cause there are times when, yeah, like you said, you, you, you have to say no to your kids because you're ultimately responsible for their, for their well being. And let's be honest, kids, heck nowadays kids in well into their 30 people in their 30s don't know how to make good decisions anymore sometimes but you know especially when they're when they're under 18 you know they are not equipped to make decisions that could have potentially life altering consequences and you're the one responsible so you have to do it but that being said there is a way to do it i think that with with love and charity that hey sometimes they don't always understand they're not always going to be like, thanks dad for looking after my well-being and saying, no, (laughs) they're not going to do that. But I think in the long run, you know, they will look back and say, yeah, uh, dad was really looking out for my best interests. And, uh, he, you know, that was, I'm grateful that he said no in those times when he did. So it's a tough thing to do, but you know, I, I think you do a good job for what it's worth. No, no, it means a lot. It's worth a lot to me. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, but yeah, t- telling kids no is all I was going to add on to what you were saying is actually healthy for them because it teaches them in some ways how to deal with disappointment, how sure. to not always get their way. That's good for kids, right? Indeed. And some people disagree with me on this, but especially when they're younger, me, I don't always have to explain myself or make them understand why I say no. Now there are times as they get older and it's, it becomes more frequent as you get older where you're, you want to give them a reason so that they can start processing and make those decisions for themselves. Yeah, at they, some they, point. they can start doing it for themselves. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. But there's also an aspect to it. Okay. I'm your authority figure. I said, no, therefore that's the only reason you need at this point. That's the only reason you may need at all. And that translates to your spiritual life because sometimes God will say no and you may not know why, but you need to sit back and say, okay, well, he, God is my authority figure. He right. said, no, that's the end of the story. Right. And, right. and kids that aren't made to respect an authority figure when they're young are going to struggle with respecting God and his authority when they get older. And I think that's one of, of many reasons God puts obey your parents in the 10 commandments. Sure. Sure. Is and that, I think I look back like, is when I was like a teenager, right? When I was a teenager, I, I obeyed the, the moral laws of the church, but my, my understanding of it was basically, you know, this is just something God, God's just out to ruin my good time. He just has a hang up about, you know, sexuality and, and, and all that kind of stuff. He, so, you know, he's just kind of a bummer, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll obey, but he needs to lighten up. You know, I I had that kind of chip on my shoulder. It's all teenage teenagers don't know what the heck they're doing. They don't know. They don't know what's <laughs> driven going by on. driven by emotion and hormones. Many driven times. by emotion and hormones, and then you get you get well into your forties, and you look back and you start to think, yeah, um, the Catholic Church was actually right about everything. Every single thing they said was important to obey, and in, in especially in the area of sexual morals, um, they were right about everything, and. Yeah. Uh, and in those times when I, when I wasn't particularly obedient, I should have been. And for good, and it wasn't that God was like, you know, I just don't think you're, I don't know. I have a hang up about the stuff. I don't like it. So you can't like it either. That wasn't, that wasn't it. He was looking out for my well being. He wanted me to be a normal, happy, psychologically well-adjusted adult who is capable of 
loving other people in, in the way that he loves us. And so, right. you know, obeying those moral teachings was incredibly important. And so like when I was a kid, I didn't understand that stuff. And then you, it, you don't understand it until you get older. And I think there's just yeah. an element of that that's built into parenting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and part of the authority structure that I was talking about earlier, that it, the better you typically will learn to obey and honor as the 10, as the 10 commandments say, your parents, you will be better equipped to honor God and obey God. But of mm -hmm. course that's within reason. Cause I even tell my kids, you, you know, you're, you're to honor, well, you could still honor your parents even in, as especially when you're grown, you can still honor your parents in disagreement, right? But um, ultimately, God is the highest authority is what we tell our kids. So if mom and dad happen to ever tell you to do something which violates what God has commanded, then you are obviously required to obey that higher authority over your parents. But really, that's the only time that as a kid, especially growing up, that you really have that right. Right, right. Yeah. And as, as parents, our God places them in dominion in, in, um, in, um, in dominion over us. And that's, again, I go, I talk about this all the time, this thing in the Bible about naming things, right? Adam gets to name all the animals and all the fish in the sea and things like that, because he has dominion over them. Well, how'd you get your name? Your parents gave it to you, right? Yeah. Your parents named you that because, and they have the right to do that because they have dominion over you. Right. And so, um, you have a responsibility to now they, they don't have absolute sovereignty over you, right? They can't just do anything with you. They want to do because ultimately you are still God's child and you, and in terms of human dignity, you're, you all have equal human dignity, but God places certain people above us in certain hierarchies and we are duty bound to obey them. I don't know how we got off on this. No, this no, team. I don't. But, but, you, but it all started with, Taking your kids um, to adoration. That's adoration. Right. And then, yeah, then you wanted to compliment me to which I don't handle compliments very well. So I just started rambling. I don't give them very well. Cause it's, it always seems like, you know, when so they say when somebody pays you a compliment, it's a double edged sword. Cause usually they're doing it cause they want something from you. you yeah. Well, what do you that want? being said, I'm going to need to borrow some money, Jason. Um. Anything for you. I tell you what, you can have all the money in my bank account. It, it might get you to the other side of Houston. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll take it. So Offer acceptance um <laughs> well i if you don't mind i'll just kind of finish off here it gets back on topic fine so i have just read a little everything bit you want to do i have read a little bit from the imitation of christ every day okay all right some days less than others um okay i have been off social media still now before somebody says well i see you posting on twitter my my whole goal was to be off of it, and the only time I was gonna be on it was for show promotion, like episode releases and stuff like that. Yeah. So I would just from our YouTube page, um, just share it from there, and then share it from my personal. But I didn't like scroll or look through or anything like that. I was on and off. Um, so so that's been a success. Wednesday and Fridays, I've abstained from meat. I, I didn't eat meat Wednesday or Friday, and the workout was the one where the latter part of the week just life got kind of busy and um early mornings on some days late nights and just just failed to do it but i but i think i got two of the four this week if i remember right so that was really the only area i lacked but i was really happy that with all the spiritual stuff this week i was able to be 100 on it especially adoration because like i said adoration was important to me yeah but last week it kind of out of my hands so i was glad to get that on track this week 
I, uh, I, I, the one area that I fell behind on this week that I is, is the one that we talk a lot about where the, the keeping up of the house. Um, I could, I, I, there's, yeah, there's some areas I need. There's a lot of laundry I need to do. And in particular, there's this thing I have about making the bed every morning. I think that's a big step. I know it sounds like it's such a small little small thing, but for me personally, it's a big step on kicking your whole day off in the right direction. Get up out of bed, get your bed made, and you will notice, at least I have noticed, that my whole day just seems to kind of go better when I because it because you're you're taking something that's chaos and you're making order out of it, which is what God designed us to do, right? God designs us to make order out of chaos. He wants us to tend the garden, right? And so well, well it's funny you say that because any day anytime my day has chaos or is I'm out of focus here. Any day my that my day is chaotic or didn't go well, I call my wife. I'm like, did you make the bed this morning? <laughs> <laughs> In which case she promptly hangs up on you and uh, you'll you'll talk about it. by the way, um we can really, edit, right? By the way, uh, the the photographer that snapped that picture of us cruising in the slab uh, right behind you, man, kudos to that guy because he got a good shot. That's a good one of us. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Um, You must have been hanging your arm out that window too long. In the Tradman mobile. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our show, folks. Um, Yeah, no. Oh, jeez. All right. What am I going to do with you? Um, yeah, no, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty slick, uh, slick pick of us in the, in the Tradman slab back there. I yeah, like no, that. that's, that's actually a picture out of Houston. And I don't know why I just did this as a joke one day, <laughs> just because we're from Houston and, and, you know, we, I'm not saying we were necessarily, I don't know about you, but I wasn't necessarily in the culture, but I know about the slab culture. No, that's a real like that, picture so. of us. What are you talking about? That's a real picture of us. Don't don't get it twisted. Oh, wait, right. wait, hang on, hang on. Yeah, that I got that car repoed. <laughs> <laughs> How was Gaudete Sunday? Did you have a nice Gaudete Sunday? I did. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Yep. Who said who said mass uh, at the mass you went to? Well, I actually didn't go to um Regina Chaley this morning. Oh, okay. No, which uh, where would you go? I went to I, I went to the one down the road CTR this morning. Okay, so Jason's no longer a trad man. He's uh, let me just take <laughs> him off the feed real quick. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, I get that. Sometimes sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And um, I went to uh, the 5:30 p.m. mass at Regina Chaley. Father Charles Van Fleet said the mass, gave a very stirring homily, and um, I always like the vestments in Gaudete Sunday. They always seem to be a little bit nicer and. Yeah. You know, today was no exception. So, um, and I like the, I like that the church in the middle of her penitential seasons gives us a little spark of hope, a spark of joy, right? So there's Gaudete yeah. Sunday during Advent and Laetare Sunday during Lent. And um, that says a lot about what the, the church thinks about her penitential seasons. It's not just, you know, it's not just a grueling carrying of crosses all day long and and life is just suffering and you you know you have to whip yourself all the time and wear a hair shirt or you're not getting into heaven and it's 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 about um mortifying the flesh to look forward to the joy that comes ahead and <clears throat> i always liked it uh, god day sunday for that reason yeah no, favorite it, days 
And it's a good it's a good time to think that even admit even amidst um like you know your your penitential seasons and through suffering and denying of yourself, you can still find that joy. There's still joy to be found in Christ, irregardless of your is it irregardless? Yeah, irregardless of your state in life at that moment. What is the difference between regardless and irregardless? I don't know. I, don't I was know. just I was just pretending that I knew that I, I had it right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I'm a I'm a relatively educated man, but I don't know the difference between those two things. I I don't really. I'm not a master of the English language. I'll tell you that right now. That was my major in college. No, it wasn't. No, was it really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would have failed every class. Homosexuality. Yeah, six. S e x. S i x. Oh man, yeah, it's been a it's been a day. It's a it's well, well after after that place. and my comment earlier, and people are going to take it completely the wrong way. We're canceled. This is <laughs> yeah. a good while it lasted. We didn't make oh, it fifty, yeah. but almost. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I always get accused of uh, being a Judaizer, and so I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> just the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> but like uh, you were talking about how sometimes authority doesn't owe you an explanation. And there's, yeah. that is one thing I've always liked about, um, I heard, I heard a rabbi once was that somebody was asking a rabbi the question. Cause the whole thing about se- the, the, when the Jews separate meat from dairy, that comes from, um, I believe it's numbers or Leviticus where it says you shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. It might be Deuteronomy actually. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually heard that. Before. And so the, so the, the, the rabbis interpreted that as you separate milk from dairy or meat from dairy. <clears throat> and somebody asked the question, well, chickens don't give milk. So why can't I have a chicken and cheese sandwich? And, you know, and the, the rabbi, he, he had this answer that didn't really sound very good for the person who was asking the question, but he sounded good to me. He just said, because Torah commands it. And I thought, yeah, why isn't that a good enough reason sometimes? I mean, when God asks you to do something, now we, now as redeemed creatures, everything God commands of us is within our place in the hierarchy of creation. It's not right. like we live under, we, we lived under the old law where we had to do it just for no other reason than I'm going to make you live under a set of draconian laws because you're not redeemed and we need to have a special relationship, but we don't have the special relationship we used to have. But nowadays we do get into reasons. And I think that's one of the great things about Thomas Aquinas is he was able to explain truths of the Catholic faith using our higher reasoning and our, our, our logic and our intellect and Aristotelian logic and things like that. But I think it gets carried away to a certain point where every single thing in that the church asks us to do like, Oh yeah, well, why? And it's like, okay, pump your brakes there, kid. Who, who do you think you are? God don't owe you nothing. The obligations run the other way. Yeah. So let's start from, and that's not that there are not reasons why God wants you to do these things, but the, I think we, sometimes we take kind of an insolent tone with God sometimes and, oh, yeah, well, why should I? It's like, hey, buddy, you know what? Just stay in your lane there, Kimasabi, because- How? You, you ain't all you think you are. Well, maybe I'm off here, but part of the reason I think that is, it, particularly in the West and, and here in the Americas or in the U.S., is because we have made an idol out of the individual. 
and individualism where the individual is the supreme authority right so especially in this country you hear i have the right for this i have the right for that you can't tread on me you can't do that you know just goes on forever right so when an authority figure tells you you need to do something you think you have this right to know why every single time explain to me why i have to do it there are times where it is justified for explanation but not every single time sometimes it's just like i mentioned earlier because god said so yeah and if you if you don't understand that that's fine maybe 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 along the lines of your spiritual growth and religious formation right now maybe you're not at the point yet to right. where where you you can't understand understand it but you just obey until maybe one day you do or maybe you never do maybe maybe you don't understand it until eternity but but there are certain aspects of our religious life that we just have to accept the answer whether we understand it or not i mean there and some of them and some of them we call the mysteries right we call the mystery of the trinity we don't i mean we kind of talk about basic concepts and and all that as lay people and i know you got theologians stuff that can go on a much deeper level but just your typical lay person we can talk about generalities and stuff like that what it what the trinity means but at the end of the day, we really don't understand it. We just accept it on faith that this is the way it is. I think even amongst the expert theologians, eventually language fails. Yeah. And everything we use, I mean, you know, even St. Patrick, uh, pray for us, with his beautiful analogy of the of the shamrock. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a help it's helpful analogy, but there's a point at which it fails because right. it's an analogy, like by definition. You, there's you can stretch it only so far and at the end of the day you're right the the trinity is it is a deeply mysterious doctrine and is something about the internature of the godhead that he doesn't owe us he doesn't owe us an, a, a revelation about that inner nature of himself in fact for most of our history in our relationship with this deity who the ancients called Yahweh Elohim. We didn't know that he was a Trinity. Yeah. That was something he revealed to us purely out of love and a desire to be closer to us and a desire for us to have intimate knowledge of him. And you've got to at least expect that some things about being God are going to be different than things about being you. And, you know, that makes sense. I mean, do you think that an ant has any any understanding of what it's like to be a human being? They don't have the capability. They have their brains such as they are, are not capable of grasping concepts like that. Yeah. So it's, and God is infinitely more uh, bigger, complex, powerful than I am to an ant. So. You know, it, it's, it always amazed me how even in the Old Testament, though, while the con- while they didn't have the concept of the Trinity because it hadn't been more fully revealed, there were still hints of it. Like yeah. in Genesis 1, 1, let right. us Deuteronomy <clears throat> 6. There's the the Lord, our God is one. There's a plural. What is it? Uh, what's the plural form? Is it Elohim <coughs> or, or whatever in the Hebrew where it says, you know, the Lord, our God is one. There's the there's a plural in that i believe as well so anyway there, mm. there there's hints of it and talking about the trinity 
and th- and by the way, this is the second week in the in a row where we had an advent and we're talking about completely different things. But you know what? That's what we do. That's what we do. So, <laughs> I guess YouTube wants me to become Muslim because my algorithm keeps giving me like Islamic apologetic videos. I get those too. Why do I get those? I don't know. But anyway, one of the biggest topics that comes up is is Jesus, God, and the Trinity. Yeah. And a lot of it is just a basic lack of understanding, even on the, the people that are on the Christian side of what the Trinity is. But the biggest failure is, is that people are trying to rationalize and explain something that is extraordinary and is beyond our capabilities as humans. And because of such, they just reject it outright. And, and again, some things you just have to take on faith that it is the way it is and accept it as a mystery. Like we, like, I mean, there are so many mysteries within the Catholic church. We don't, we don't understand how it happens or what it really means, but we say, Jesus, I trust in you and the church that you gave us. Yeah. I, in fact, I would actually argue the very first, in the very first uh, chapter of Genesis and the very, um, in the, in the second, uh, what is it? the, The second, uh, verse we get a glimpse into the trinity that says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was formless and without the earth was void and without form and darkness moved over the face of the deep um and then it said and then god said let there be light so god speaks existence speaks the world into existence there we see the logos the verbum dei god said let there be light. So there's the second person of the Trinity. But it also says before that, the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that God moved over the face. This is the spirit of God moved over the face of the deep. Uh, and that word, the deep in, in Hebrew is tohu vavohu, which means a very complicated thing of like nothing but nothingness, nothingness without end. In other words, existence, but chaos. Just a soup of particles there's nothing really there yet um and the spirit of god moves over the face of the deep so you have all three people in the holy trinity being sort of revealed in that's amazing ain't it (laughs) i mean it's, it's incredibly powerful and there are also um there's also many episodes in the in the old testament particularly where it talks about the angel of the lord and how that phrase is used differently than when they're talking about angels. That this this because the the word in Hebrew for angel is messenger. And you can yeah. also there's a there is a context in which that means message, the message of the Lord. In other words, the verbum day, the logos. Um, and one of those instances is when the angel appears in front of Joshua before they attack. I believe Jericho or maybe it was, or I can't remember one of the, one of those, one of the battles in the book of Joshua where the angel, the, the angel of the Lord appears before Joshua. And anyway, yeah. So there's, so there, there are new Testament scholars, apologists, theologians who believe that when they're talking about that, that person, the angel of the Lord, the same one who wrestles with Jacob and gives him his name, Israel, that they're actually yeah. talking about the second person of the Trinity. So Jesus is actually not a newcomer on the scene in zero AD or one AD. 
he's been he's been the principal mover of salvation history since since creation started which is an incredibly powerful thing to sit there and think about you know yeah, no, 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 I, if you see me looking here for anybody watching, and I, I was listening to everything you said, I'm just trying sure to find, sure <laughs> I'm just trying to find that verse. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I was making, trying to see if I got the word right, but I'll have to, I'll have to look it up when I was talking about uh, Deuteronomy six, what is it? Six, four. Um, the, yes. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Berushim Kivod Malachuto Laolam Ba'ed but anyway but but from what i and again there may hashtag be hashtag judaizer um <laughs> yeah so if i'm wrong somebody put it down in the comments and say hey that that verse doesn't speak to the trinity I, because i've heard from many different sources through the years that why do you invite them in the comment section to say things like that why why you know what's going to happen next right just so you, just so everybody knows it comments just because we don't <laughs> comment back always we we still read them sometimes we just don't know what to say at least me i just don't want to say that <laughs> yeah we don't know what to say that's for sure <laughs> but I, but but in all truth i do read them i do much too. all of I them and too. i and i enjoy most of them some of them i'm like oh, i don't agree with that but i'm so be it and, and those people we excommunicate on our show <laughs> Um, no, I'm kidding. I've been in kind of a jovial mood all day today, just because it's. I've been. I've had kind of a rough day. Because just, you're rejoicing. I'm rejoicing, man. I'm I'm gaudeteing on Gaudete Sunday. Um, yeah. You got no. I've I had kind of a rough day today, just just like, you know, just I don't know, psychological and emotional crap that bugs me around the holidays with certain certain family members and things like that, and. Hopefully we can get a, um, a good show on with uh, our good friend over at uh, integrated with Angela Erickson uh, and uh, Rob over at avoiding Babylon, his wife, hope, and where we can talk about how do you deal with, you know, difficult family members during this holiday season that is supposed to be all about family and togetherness and things like that. And some of us just have family backgrounds where that's just not possible. And, you know, what do we do about that? How do you deal with that and things like that? And I, I, I think that would be an edifying episode because I think there's probably a lot of people out there who have this problem and, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, this Hallmark channels of families just isn't reality for the majority of people, I don't think. Though, no. though I would love to be able to have that. Like, I would love to be, and I get along with most of my immediate family anyway. I'm not saying that, but just from a religious standpoint, getting together for these major holidays like the Nativity and Easter and stuff like that, I would love to do big family celebrations of that. But it's kind of hard with Protestant family to do the to do those things now. You know, they celebrate them on different days, and they have get-togethers for like Christmas and stuff like that. But it's just it's just diff. It's different when you don't have the religious aspect to it. Now, I'm hoping one day with my kids and my grandkids, we can I maybe I can be the patriarch that starts all this within the uh, family traditions. And, and hopefully as the family grow through the years, you know, start these traditions. But it does kind of make me sad sometimes that, that, that I'm not able to do that. Now, I'm not like I said, I'm not in the same boat as, as some of you guys with difficult family members. Cause like my dad, my grandma, my sister and all of them, I, I have, we have no issues. We get along great, but yeah, they're not, they're not toxic people, you know? No, no, not, not, and, not, and, not at all. And, that's, yeah. and I, I actually spend most of my Christmas day, my Easter Sunday that I'm not at church and uh, Thanksgiving, things like that. 
with a family that I grew up with. They are all Methodists, um, but they're just wonderful people. I mean, I just, I love them to death. And um, so that's, and, and that's, that's the family I spend most of my time with because man, to call, to call my mother and father dysfunctional is a compliment at best. I mean, yeah. <laughs> man, they're just, you know, it's just very, very difficult sometimes. And I think there are a lot of people out there with family members like that. There's a lot of people who feel alone during the holidays because they just can't connect with their families in any way, shape or form. And, you know, it might be nice to hear at least, at least just to hear. Yeah. That you're, you're not actually alone in that situation. That that's a, that's a common problem. And, and here's some things that might help out with that. You know, no, I I, I think that'll be (laughs) in many ways, if y'all get that episode out, it, many ways it'll be a work of mercy to many people it'll help them it'll sure you know hopefully it'll help them that i mean that's the goal right ultimately yeah, is for, you so. to, for, for you to help people all all glory is due to god he does all the work and, and to the extent that we are able to do anything he overcomes our deficiencies and we are very grateful for that yeah and that's and, and that's what this show is ultimately about we, we've mentioned before is to give glory to god even through our faults my faults your faults um, our inadequacies and in explaining things or knowledge, our ultimate goal is to give glory to God. And, and I hope that's what this show and its, and its content provides ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. Uh, cool show coming up tomorrow evening, uh, 7 p.m. If you want to tune in, we uh, should have a good show. We're hopefully going to be joined by the guys over at avoiding Babylon, maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe uh, Angela Erickson and Connor McHugh from plot lines might come on um, who knows, but we're going to be talking about our lady of Guadalupe, my favorite Marian devotion, Jason, I, I get the feeling you're more of a Fatima guy, but it's like half and half. What, are you more of a Fatima guy or more of a Guadalupe guy? Yeah. So I've initially I was, and still am, I guess I'm, I, I appreciate the Fatima, Mm-hmm. uh apparition our lady of fatima and i hate to say most because that may sound yeah bad. i mean it's all the virgin mary so it's not like yeah. it's, there's no jealousy or anything like that yeah but yeah I, but, I get what you're saying yeah but the more um i grow in my spiritual life the more i come to actually really enjoy and love our lady of guadalupe and i think it might have something to do with the culture down here in texas as well sure. because you know we, we've talked on a previous episode not, not not on our episode with the episode we did with connor on plot lines about texas and all that Texas has a very heavy Hispanic influence and people typically will associate Our Lady of Guadalupe with the Hispanic culture and rightfully so, you know, the uh, in Mexico and stuff like that. But Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of the Americas, all the Americas. Yes, sir. So, so it's something that even as Americans, we should grow to love and appreciate and ask for her intercession. Um, I'm going to bring a book that I read yesterday or tomorrow. I, okay. I read about Our Lady of Guadalupe. I don't know if you have any recommendations, but this was a really, really good book as it started out. I think it's called The Wonders of Guadalupe. Okay. And I don't want to get into it too much right now, but it just starts with the Aztecs and kind of like how they were living their life. Gets into Juan <laughs> Diego, what he was doing, and then it, the apparition. And then it even goes into the craziness of how they can – they've done like super up close images of our lady's eye and you can see the His people reflection. yeah yeah you yes. can see all that and see it's just, Juan Diego's reflection it, it's just amazing things that are unexplainable unexplainable yeah I, and you know you guys we talked about this before how I'm 
I'm not a big apparitions guy. And I, I, I am, but I'm also not like, I like, I, I love our lady of Lourdes. I love our lady of Fatima. I love our lady of Guadalupe. It's probably my favorite Marian devotion, but like, I, I am a little bit resident of modern day seers just because I've seen that. I've seen that lead to some too many, well, I would consider to be bad consequences of people who, you know, they, they, they askew the Bible entirely. They askew the catechism entirely. They askew all the church's teachings. And the only thing that matters to them is the messages today's message. Cause that's, yeah. you know, and it's like, uh, and then they, and then they go down the rabbit hole of end times prophecies and they're storing food in the bunker. And it, I, I mean, I've, I've seen it happen too yeah. many times that I just go, mm, not, that's not for me. But I do, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe is unexplainable in any other. There, there's simply it's too much that happened during that apparition and as a result of the apparition that you cannot explain in any other way. And it's just such a beautiful, and, and what that, what she means as a symbol to uh, Mexican culture and as an extension of that, Texas culture because texas has this unique culture it is it is both uniquely anglo and mexican at the same time it has a it's a mixture of both of those things yeah and uh <clears throat> it's just a an incredibly powerful um devotion it has been in my life and uh by the grace of god i hope always will be so tune in tomorrow for that seven o'clock uh live stream and uh should you know, be a good one you know what one of my favorite parts of Our Lady of Guadalupe is? What's that? She just smashed the Protestants and bringing nine million converts yeah. to the Catholic Church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. While well, the Protestant Reformation was wreaking havoc in Europe, six what is it? Six we lost six something million like that. Five or six million, I think I've heard. And yeah, and we we gained nine million converts in the Americas. Yeah, it's it's, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. You know what I was I was thinking about speaking of. Uh, our shared cultural heritage over, over in Ireland, uh, you know, Boston, Massachusetts at one time was established as a Puritan stronghold. Roman Catholics were not even allowed to live in the Massachusetts Bay colony when it first started. Well, the colonies were very unfriendly <clears throat> in general to Catholics. Yeah. I mean, we, we had Maryland, we had Maryland, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, but then they eventually came over and changed all that. So but anyway. like, um, but now Boston, is the largest Catholic population in the United States. It's, it's, it, it, it is an entirely Catholic town now. So, you know, our lady has ways, you know, and not in God's time, but in, and not in our time, but in God's time. So yeah, there's ways. Um, that's all I really got for tonight, man. I'm losing my voice already. I don't know if you can tell, but. Uh, I do not sound good. Well, that's what you get for starting out with that lower deep voice. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh goodness, what am I going to give it up? Um, all right. Well, that's all I got for tonight, Jason. Any parting thoughts? No. Uh, hope to see everybody tomorrow in the in the live stream. Um, yeah, just interact with us through the comments tomorrow if you're on, and uh, we'll maybe maybe we'll put your stuff up. We'll answer some questions if we can because. I'm not I'm not necessarily an expert on Lady of Guadalupe, but I think my co-host Mark here is a I'm not an expert pretty on expert anything. On 
I, I'm an, you know what I'm an expert on debt and debt, debt and credit relief. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you ever want to talk about how, how I get, how I get out of paying my credit cards. Well, um, I want to know how I can spend whatever I want on my credit cards and not pay it. If you figure that out, let me know. I got you fam. Because, you. because coming back and paying that is not the fun part. The buying is the fun part. <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right yeah. so no but i don't have anything i just hope to see everybody that can make it tomorrow and uh hope everybody has a joyful advent week and remember uh life is hard but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary god bless everybody we'll see you tomorrow god bless mm-hmm.